is good, my peoples? Welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is a green. I am Ken. I am the beige. This week, we're going two greens to the warm beige. AJ, that's your boy. So I give you the opportunity to introduce logs to the folks. Well, the man needs no introduction. I'm pretty sure he's been here before. So return guest, my brother from another uh, first, of, before we even get into that aspect, let me say first of all, sir, congratulations on your upcoming nuptials. He's Ken. He's about to join our world. Able to join our world. So. Well done. <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. You know, thank you for granting me with the honor of being, you know, uh, one of your groomsmen. Look, looking forward to it. Of course, say less. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, our brother, usually the our um, NBA correspondent, but tonight here to discuss. His team and what has been going on so far in the NFL playoffs, Mr. Logs himself. Welcome, brother. What's up? What's up, people? It's good to be back. It's been a long time since I've been here and our three hour NBA talks the last time. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But today, unfortunately, there's no NBA on the show because right. we're, we're going to be focusing mainly on that pigskin stuff so another week this is another edition of everybody's favorite sports podcast the green beige podcast where we look back and look ahead at some of the biggest storylines in the world of sports now we've had some major occurrences in the world of soccer as with our beloved arsenal when i say our we are three deep with regards to the gunners our beloved Arsenal knocking off their greatest historical rival in the EPL, Manchester United, in an epic, epic match Great. at the Emirates. Great game. It was. I am still buzzing. I am still elated because that performance was absolutely fantastic. And, well, there are those who still doubt the Arsenal. We are not here to crown the Arsenal as the champions of England because 19 games have passed. It's still way too early for that, but we still can feel very good as to where our team currently sits. Oh, definitely. Which is five points ahead of Manchester City at the top of the table. Of course, that game was sandwiched between the NFL slate of Saturday and Sunday for what pundits coming into this weekend were calling... The best weekend in football, the divisional round. Somehow I think they need to check that next year though, as the greater competition I think I found was last week in the World Card Weekend than what we saw this weekend. But we did still have a great slate of games. The Chiefs, they took care of the Jaguars, the Eagles mollywopped the Giants, the Bengals dominated the Bills, and the 49ers dispatched the Cowboys. But before we get into all of that, We'll turn to the 49ers fan on the panel with us. So, as always, you know, we like to go off the rip. So, Logs, tell us about your 49ers, man. Man, I feel like I, this was last last year around now, so where I was on still on the same hype because we back to the division championships again, right? Two years in a row. And... It starts back with the same thing that we've had for the last decade, which is defense first. Like, our offense starts basically with our defense. I don't care what anybody says. Nick is the leader of that team on that def- on a defensive end. And when it starts with him, uh, 
once the defense gets rolling, that's it. You really can't stop us. Um, and I'm, thankfully, I am so happy that uh, what's 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 Mister Injury Prone's name again? I forget because I want him out so badly. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo. That that's that that is correct. <laughs> right, <laughs> I want him out so badly. Yo, Brock. Actually, Brock has done a really good job. Like he's he reminds me of a a more conservative Alex Smith. Right? He does exactly what Cal needs him to do. And once he does exactly what Cal needs him to do, we just need to win. All we were missing from last year was a solid QB to take us, you know, just to give us maybe 200 yards, a touchdown, and just give the ball to the running backs, let them do their thing. I can't see a stop. We haven't lost in over a month. We haven't. We did this last year, too. The same thing. We did it last year. And the only reason why we didn't win the Super Bowl was because we didn't have a, Q, a QB to take us over the top. I'm on my all-time high right now. <laughs> this guy. This guy. <laughs> so, yeah, All right. We'll, we'll, we'll get into your, to your 49ers and into uh, Mr. Purdy in a bit. But as we did last week, we are going to be overreacting or not you know overreacting much which is AJ's baby so I'm gonna hand the reins over to Mr. Williams so that he can take us through these overreacting much topics all right logs well um from not mistaken this will be your first overreacting segment so let me jump straight into it first of all on um Saturday as I think Ken already alluded to we saw the Jags, were, I would say the surprise package, that's one of at least. Um, they were away at the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs duly dispatched them by one score margin, 27 to 20. But one of the main points of that game, or like one of the main talking points of that game outside of the, the game itself was an injury which took place to Patrick Mahomes, which sat him out for, uh, I think it was just about one drive. Chad Henney stepped in and score on that drive or they I think did. they did they, I think they did yeah um Mahomes was able to continue but he was visibly not 100 percent um the ankle which had been ruled was clearly providing some sort of issue for him and obviously there's been a lot of talk subsequent to the game about whether he'll be fit enough or not to play because this is they're both a played a bogey team but going back to that injury <laughs> there is a conversation to be had about that play itself um, Arden Key's tackle on Patrick Mahomes. So, what I want to know, and the logs I'm off, and I'm, I'm of course going to start with you because you're our distinguished guest. I want Appreciate to know it. if you think, of course, sir. I want to know if you think that the notion that the play on Patrick Mahomes, that tackle by Arden Key from behind, um, which resulted in Mahomes rolling his ankle and ended up in that ankle sprain, do you think it is a dirty player? Or to say it, that it was a dirty play, is that an overreaction or not? I think it's, an, it's a slight over, overreaction, yes. He fell. It was, in the, it was in the motion of the game. It didn't look it didn't look like, you know, he was going for the tackle and he just fell. It didn't look like he was like, all right, I'm going to tackle him and then I'm going to put my knee right on his ankle and sit here. <laughs> 
It just looked like he tackled and he fell. Uh, so I just think it's a slight overreaction. All right, succinct. Ken? <sighs> okay, so I do not think that this is an overreaction. No, we watch a lot of football, right? We see plenty of tackles every week. In every game, there's lots of the loss of hits, the loss of tackles. We we also see plenty injuries every week, with men getting rolled up on. You know, especially the linemen. You know, God bless them. They're the ones that don't. They get hit on every single play, and then sometimes mm-hmm. you know they they get collateral damage because somebody rolls up on them, and they tend to be the ones to get a lot of these high ankle sprains. The reason why I say that I think that this tackle I consider it to be a dirty play is that I don't remember the guy's name Arden, Arden Key, Key. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. he was in a poor tackling position to start with he was in trail position behind Mahomes and reaching out for him but he wasn't and trying then, to tackle but then he just he was he had his hands out he ju- he jumped he jumped forward like a Superman kind of thing to try to block the try to block the um, throw. And then he lands on his ankle. He drops down on his foot and turns and turns the ankle in the wrong direction. Momentum. So, I I'm not saying that the tackle was deliberately dirty, but it doesn't have to be a deliberate action to be dirty. And in this case, I see it to be a dirty play as. The way how he was, the way how he was lunging, coming forward and dropping down, in the manner that he did, it was most likely to cause injury, based on how, and where he landed. So yeah, I, I see this as a dirty play. Well, I'm going to start off here by agreeing with the Green Bay's brother here. I think it's a dirty play too. Like, the funny thing is, oh. in real time when I saw it. <laughs> now, when I saw it in real time, I, I just thought, you know what, it's unfortunate because that happens. It was actually my coworker who pointed out to me that, yeah, it looked like he left a little something extra on in there, right? I was like, for real? Went back and looked at it. And yes, like, it, it looks like a very awkwardly timed and, and, and executed tackle. But then in falling, it looks like he deliberately like stretches out that front leg to try and fall on Patrick Mahomes leg. It really looks like that to me. And and that is still like a dirty play doesn't always have to be like the most outwardly egregious and, and hardest. It, it doesn't have to be a Vontez perfect. Like I think he knew what he was doing. And 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 granted, I I'm not going to suggest that his intention was to for this to happen to Mahomes. But I'm, I feel like the intention was there to, to just put a little something on it because you know what Patrick Mahomes is capable of doing. You obviously want to take him out. Like, this happens in sports. We all try, like, you're trying to trip somebody who's running fast. or you know, just just leave it, just get him a little niggle. Just, just something, just something. So I think his intention was to do something that is beyond the scope of guidelines for the protection of the players, which to me makes it dirty. The way he dropped down that left knee, on, on Mahomes like I'm like nah I don't I think it I don't think it was necessary so the manner in which he did it to me kind of suggests that all right well yeah and just drop me yes, so and give him a little something like he feel this year and it just happened to turn out a lot worse than I'm I'm trying to give this man the benefit of the doubt that 
he didn't want to turn out this badly, but I can look beyond I'm, the fact that it. it, it how many times did I watch the replay, man? I did, bro. I, I, I actually was watching it. I actually watched, I was watching it over even tonight, just before we came in. Just multiple. All right, so you look, you look at the player. Right? He's coming around. He dives, well, tries to dive or block the ball, right? On When he's trying to land, there's a linesman right there, which is stopping him from landing properly, which causes him to further go forward based on his momentum, which lands him into Mahomes. What, what is dirty about it? He, t- he tackles from behind. My, my issue is not that he's falling on Mahomes, you know. It's the fact that you can see when he's falling, he stretches out the leg. And, and Mahomes' leg is already trailing. Like, there's no way that's, you're telling that's me. How, so you, you're no, telling I don't me that think I, it is. I, I don't control think it my is. fall? I so, yes! He wasn't, bro, he was falling. Oh, he was falling in slow motion. It wasn't, it wasn't like, like he was going to take a hard fall. He was actually falling in slow motion. And not just that, <laughs> but we're talking about professional footballers who tackle and fall for a living. Yeah, exactly. You don't fall like that by accident. <laughs> You know what you're doing when you're going down in that manner. So I'm, I'm me, pretty sure. No way that that's not dirty. He did. He didn't I'm, expect I'm, the ankle to twist. Let's put it that way. Well, yeah, I agree with that. I, I don't think mm-hmm. he he expected it, but I think he intended to fall on his leg. Yes, I do think he intended I, to fall I on believe, his leg. I believe that as well. At, at least, hmm. at least, okay. at the very least. I'll agree to this. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that is fine, sir. <laughs> That's fine. So let's move on to the next game. I'm arguably, I guess, for a lot of people, maybe not so much Ken. Um, it was the most disappointing result of the weekend. Not necessarily that I was backing the Bills, but I guess just in terms of like the performance itself. Like the Bills went out with a whimper to um shit, why am I doing that? I'm sorry. I have my notes mixed up. Sorry. The next game on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Apologies, apologies. I have my notes mixed up, yeah. Next game on Saturday was the Eagles hosting the New York football Giants. And, well, same applies, basically. The Giants went out with a whimper. 38-7 <laughs> to 7 was the final scoreline. Um, the Eagles controlled the game from the start. Giants never looked, and it, it looked like a, it kind of looked like an Eagles scrimmage. Um, so at this point, there have been discussions about the Eagles, um, their title credentials, the Super Bowl credentials, and all that. Given that they're, you know, since the last Super Bowl, they've rebuilt to, to get to this place. So, despite everything that's been said in the positive about them, are the Eagles still at this point, Ken, underappreciated? Or, or, or uh, I'm sorry, let me ask it in a in an overreaction or underreaction way. The Eagles are still underappreciated given the way their season has progressed, that win that, that they had over the Giants, is that an overreaction? Yeah, that's an overreaction. The Eagles are the number one seed in the NFC for a reason. And the only people that were disregarding or dismissing them were the other NFC East fans, especially Cowboys fans. Now, Jalen Hurts, he came into this game with a hurt shoulder, and thanks to the stellar run game, he honestly didn't have to do too much. But what he did contribute to the cause was very good. Two touchdown passes, one touchdown run. He did what he had to do. The Eagles defense has been stout all year. And, you know, they do live and die by the takeaway. But they get a lot of them. So, 
right now is overlook the Eagles at your peril. And I don't think that there's anyone who is overlooking the Eagles. So I believe that this is an overreaction. Sir Logs, your thoughts? See, um, yes, I have to agree with Ken. Um, they're, they're obviously the number one reason for the number one team for a reason. Um, defense, offense, everything is quite it's a it's quite balanced uh, enough so you could win the Super Bowl. Uh, they they played against the Giants. I mean, it's the Giants. I mean, they just really showed who they were. I mean, the Eagles just showed, basically, uh, had a, a showcase. They showcased their talent, basically. Even though, like, people were hurt. You know, hurts was hurt. Still hurt. Um, yeah, pun intended. Um, <laughs> and, you know, but they just went out there and showed what they had. All the offensive power, the defensive power, a nice solid all-around game. There was nothing really to that threatened that, like, the game for them. So, still under, are they underappreciated? No, they just show that why they're the number one team. That's it. So I think you you probably muted the AJ because we can't hear a word to say. I'd actually muted when Laws is talking because I had to um, call. Um, I will make it a clean sweep here. I don't think that they are underappreciated. I think that is an overreaction. It, I still. Ken, I, I feel like I need to bring this up again. I don't know if you know what I'm going to say, but I've been mentioning this all year. <laughs> the resident Eagles fan has a right. Yeah, he loves Bill. Good win, huh? But made the Eagles, made the, the Giants the right dwarfs. Um, anyhow, did, Ken, did you realize that they were once again scoreless in the third quarter? I did once again, Once again, the Eagles came out and they had a scoreless third quarter. Slow start to the half. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not going to take like, I'm mind you, this is after scoring 14 each a piece in the first two quarters, scoreless in the third, and then they put up another 10 points on the board. And then I, I still am bemoaning this team's, uh, um, just, just how slowly they get off the blocks in the second half. But at the same time, I don't think that that contributes to them being underappreciated. As I still think they've got enough polish for a team who. Well, this team, not the 2017 team or whatever, who hasn't actually won anything, this Syriani team. Um, I think, yeah, I think they've they've got enough politics. So I don't think they are underappreciated. I will say that that is an overreaction. So I guess we don't need to continue here since we're all in agreement. So let me move on once again, swiftly and rather sharply, to the game I was calling the most disappointing of the weekend, not necessarily with results for Ken, because... Ken, I'm pretty sure you said you had the Bengals to win this, right? Mm-hmm. You did. Yeah, did. That you did. They, and, and Ricky did. Good call. Good call. Um, it was. Um, so the game, of course, ended up with the Bills losing at home in going out in just a puff of not even glory, but 27 to 10 to those Bengals who once again advanced to the AFC Championship for the second year running. Who would have thunk it? So, we just spoke about potentially a one team being underappreciated, but is it fair to say that the Bills were overhyped all year, or is that an overreaction? Logs, I'll let you go first. Uh, slight overreaction. I don't know if they were overhyped per se. Um, I think it was 
hyped. Uh, so you have to look at it from this way. All right, so I have a QB. My QB, if you're doing fantasy football, you know, that QB is the number one QB or the number two, depending on how you look at it, in fantasy football. So you're going to take him? All right, cool. You're going to have a nice little running back. We have a nice little run game. We have a nice wide receiver core. Hey, get the ball done. The problem is, how good is our defense? I don't know. It's pretty good. It's been pretty solid all year. But when it comes to tight games, they always have to find some kind of – they find a, a little way to give it away. And then sometimes in the end, especially in crunch time, for some reason, we can't get any first downs. I can't complete any third down. Why is that? Do we have not have that Tom Brady gene? That was an optic. That was a jab for AJ. <laughs> I, ch- I chose to ignore that. <laughs> but no, it's a, it's it's so when you put it you put together a team, there's a slight overreaction. They're not overhyped, they just what's the word I'm looking for? Uh they just didn't live up to the to standard the standard that they set. Okay. Fair fair enough. Would I actually understand where you're coming from there? Mr. Arsenal? Yeah, so before I get into Mr. my <laughs> before I get into my comment, I have to shout out to um, Scooby. Damien Scooby. That is Scooby. a friend. Back home in Barbados, we mm. we grew up in the same relative neighborhood. So yeah. I'm glad that he could join us. I think this is the first thing that he's with us. So you know, thanks a lot for joining us, Scooby. And shout out, do appreciate it. Of course, you know, you got kiss the badge so no getting yeah, back to two, the... two out of the three guests we have here Arsenal. we should just turn this into arsenal podcast yeah. anyhow yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. maybe one day Go after ahead. the football season is fair yeah true so, true so the bills are the bills overhyped is that an overreaction yes that is an overreaction and the reason why i say this is an overreaction is that to suggest that the bills were overhyped all year would be to suggest that at no point in time they were worthy of their station as championship favorites, and that would be disingenuous and playing the result. The Bills team won 13 games this season and started out the year by beating the defending champion Rams, who knew but nobody knew that they were going to be this bad, 31 to 10. They destroyed the Titans 41 to 7. A Josh Allen elbow injury, and then they still only lost by two points to the vastly improved Dolphins. They beat Lamar and the Ravens. They embarrassed the Steelers. They beat the Chiefs at our head. They lost close games to the Jets and the Vikings, and then mm-hmm. won eight of their last nine, the only non-win being the cancelled game against Cincinnati. Now, while most of the games for the Bills down the stretch were closer than they were at the beginning of the season, the Bills looked every bit the juggernaut early on and were worthy of their standing as preseason favorites. So, were the Bills over here all year? No, they were not. Because what we saw, especially in the first month and a half of the season, had everybody thinking 
that this Buffalo team could have made it to the Super Bowl and won the trophy. Such compelling arguments, both of you. Um, I'm I'm going in the other direction. I'm going in the other direction here. I'm I'm going to say that it's not an overreaction. It's not an over. I'm I'm granted within reason here. I'm not saying it's an underreaction or anything. I'm just saying I I think that they have been slightly overhyped all year, and and this too could be down to my own expectation, right? No. Ken, if you remember, and I completely, I was completely wrong about this. I, I'll take the L on this one because they got other things I got right too. But I will take the L on this one because you remember after week one, I said that I felt like this was a potential preview of the Super Bowl in terms of that Bills Rams Rams game, right? Yes. Completely wrong. Ram, the Rams were trash for what for a plethora of reasons, and the Bills underperformed in a game where they really shouldn't have. I guess you could say. But at the end of the day, I think what it is for me, and again, this is down to my expectation. This is why I think so. The reason why I say so is because outside of just myself, there were like, I, I'm, I know you all are familiar with the page freezing cold takes, right? So mm-hmm. you know how they're always <laughs> on the ball. So they posted this, the same day, this would have been Sunday, the same day, right after the game, they put, they put up a post of, at the beginning of the season, I believe it was, um, a lot of could have been ESPN. An analyst from one of the sports networks basically making their Super Bowl picks. And everybody had to, like, it was an entire state of bills. Everyone picked the bills. And like, and myself, I sort of fell into that too. And I hate the fact that I depended on a division rival to to to, to try and come through or something. It's, it's kind of a bittersweet feeling right now. Anyway, um, I think that there was a lot of hype surrounding them. And Ken, like you rightly said, there were many times during the season where you could accurately say that, you know what, they they look like the juggernaut that everyone expected them to be. But at the end of the day, I think what disappointed me is the manner in which they went out. And because Lox, you said they have a, a good running game. Bro, I've I've seen better runners at a primary school sports meet. <laughs> these men cannot... Yeah, these men could these men could not run the ball. They traded for a man who's all who's always injured, who is not necessarily one of the best. He's more of a scat back himself. I I just don't understand the affliction with bringing in a proper backfield. And we were talking about this in another chat, um, in in the damn time chat, Ken, and Justin said it, it down to scheme and all. And I get that, but there's there comes a certain time in the season, and I feel like I'm going to reference this later on as well when. Is not just about scheme, but it comes down to the personnel, right? Mm-hmm. And the Bills just did not have the personnel. They did not have the personnel at the end of the day. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't. And and it just seems like one of the teams that they do not match up well against. And I think that's another that's another part of it, right? The team that they do not match up well against is Cincinnati. And and it, they just got the better of them. And the the kind of showing that the Bills put up. It, I, I just feel like everything I expected that could have gone wrong when I started to see the flaws, the chinks in the armor, it did go wrong, especially them not having that backfield. It is so funny to me what you just said. That because Which at part? some point in time in the season, it's not mm-hmm. just about the scheme, 
It's also about the personnel. This is the same thing it was oh, telling you last thing. week. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this week. No, no, no. You want to come out and use the same. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's funny. No, 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 no. No, I, I get That's why you laugh this week. No, no, no. But the, the difference, the difference is, uh, the difference is, the difference is, Mm-hmm. And you made the, you actually made a point. The Bills, no, but the Bills actually looked like a, a coherent team at some point in time during the season. Like they, 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 they may have had some chinks in the armor. They may have may have had their flaws, but there was at least a part of that team that looked good. The Bucks, have yeah, for seven game, for about seven to eight games. <laughs> but 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 the, the comparison to what Ken's talking about, right, Logs? We had a discussion about the mm. Bucks, the, the Buccaneers, and I don't know if we have to uh, get into okay. this. this is, usually, is a very lengthy discussion. Anytime it takes me. <laughs> <laughs> essentially, essentially, you Ken said and I box, were. I got understood one. <laughs> well, not, no, I know, but still, Ken and I were on. we having differing opinions about whether or not Todd Bowles should have a bit more blame. I think that Todd Bowles' name, and not just him, but coaching all around of that Bucks team, should yeah. come into question as well when you're calling out like everything that made the Bucks a bad team this year and. Anyway, I, that, I don't want to get into that. No, that's, we, we don't ever solve that argument in, in half hour. That's, yeah, right. <laughs> that's a lengthy discussion. Anyway, anyway, um, yeah, I just don't think because I feel like I don't think that they were overhyped. Sorry, I don't think that it's an overreaction that they were overhyped. I think they kind of okay. were because I feel like I fell into the trap and then everything that 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 was noticeable them that was actually a, a, a weakness. It just came to the fore in that Cincinnati game, and they went out scoring ten points at home. Yeah, that that's definitely not a good look. And I mean, there's some other things that came out of this game that were not a good look either. You had mentioned one of them to me. I don't know if you want to plug that in here at this point. Oh yeah, the whole um. <laughs> so, Lars, and I'm pretty sure you've seen this too. There's a whole um issue coming out of. Buffalo now with Stefan Diggs. His, oh yeah, I saw it. <laughs> his, so uh, let me let me be the first to say I I'm not I have no issue with his reaction on the sidelines during the game. I think that that is what players do during the game. I think anything regarding that is an overreaction. Like they, they, if, especially if you're in a game and you're losing, never mind the minus they might be in minus weather. You're blood hot and you are annoyed. You're vexed. This is the game you're supposed to be winning. You ain't winning. You ain't even playing as well as you should play. But exactly. afterwards, the whole, if reports are to be believed, he, the fact that he packed up all his stuff in the dressing room, left, and then one of his teammates had, or it was it a coach, had to convince no, him to come back. It was, was a team Johnson <laughs> from the, uh, the practice squad. Oh, that's where Duke Johnson is now? Wow. Yeah, he's still in the league. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the other DJ. All right. Um, yeah. The other DJ. Yeah, so... Do y'all have any thoughts on that little issue with Diggs? And it seems that he and Josh Allen may not have been on the same page. I, I don't know. For me, I don't think it's anything beyond the playing field. I think they'll be fine. But just Diggs's overall reaction, this is just like a second part of this. It's just discussion. You don't have to say if it's an overreaction or not. But I just want to know what your thoughts are on like his Diggs's response to losing the, like, the locker room stuff. I ain't sure if there was more to it than what it really was, but based on being a player, you could um, you could you could bring it down to just being like, yo, listen, this is a game that we should have won. I I was play I playing 
I wasn't playing my best, but I was trying to play the best ability I could. And I don't find maybe other guys on the team was playing up to par or better than they, or like how they should have been. And so he was just upset. And well, you know, I gave my shit and go. So, I got time so for this to be talking about it. So much to do about nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. And Ken. See, no, the thing is, <clears throat> in terms of what Diggs did, I don't have mm-hmm. a problem with that. But I do believe that this could be an issue for the Bills going forward. And the reason why I say that is because this is three years now since Diggs has been in Buffalo that they have bowed out of the playoffs before they may be, or at least as far as they are concerned in their building, that they should have. So mm-hmm. yeah. you see when they got bounced by the Kansas City Chiefs the first year, mm-hmm. he stood up on the field and watched the celebrations because yep. he's using that as fuel to get himself back there. The next year, they get bounced again. I think, okay. but you see Kansas City Chiefs, and mm-hmm. that was the overtime. Was, no, that was the overtime. That's correct. Game. So mm-hmm. it was close. No, we we were nit right tuck all the way <laughs> to the end of the game, and because the way how the rules are structured, we didn't get a chance. We were eliminated. Mm-hmm. But no, you come to this game where you are at home, so the expectation is that you're going to take care of business at home. Have that advantage. The snow is falling at home, so you would think then that the conditions are going to play into your favor because Correct. this is Buffalo snow. This is not Cincinnati snow. So you would think that we're going to play better because we are at home. We have the crowd behind us, and as soon as the game starts, Cincinnati walks right on the field and scores. Same thing that they <sighs> did in the Kansas game before. Buffalo comes down. Don't get anything going on offense. Have to punt. Cincinnati gets the ball, comes right back on the field, and scores again. The defense is falling apart. The offense is not giving them what they're supposed to be supposed to be yeah. getting. And Cincinnati is doing everything that they can to take Stephon Diggs out of this game. Josh Allen is not able to, to overcome this. Diggs is seeing what is happening or what is not happening. We are not getting what we're supposed to be getting. As Kurt mentioned here, the old QB coach is gone. Brian Dayball, he is now over in New York. He got his team to the playoffs. Something looks to be missing in this Bills offense. He is doing his best now to to show leadership and fire up the guys and try to get at Josh Anna. Josh Anna is not even looking at him (laughs) during this exchange on the sideline. Diggs is fed up. He's frustrated. He's not getting what he's expecting to be getting from him being in Buffalo. So he passes up and he leaves. Then, I don't know if you guys saw the quote, but there was a quote from um, Sean McDermott where he said he spoke to Diggs today. It was a very short conversation, but he's not going to tell us what the nature of the conversation was. I honestly believe that this can be a that this can be a problem because three years. after three years, we still have the same issues. He is mm-hmm. getting all the ball that he can want in Buffalo because they haven't developed a wide receiver room around him 
that can take some of the attention off of him. As I said in the chat during the game, Gabe Davis is feast or famine. Most of the games is famine. When he, he even the games where he goes off and scores a lot of touchdowns, he doesn't get a lot mm. of targets. They yeah. monopolize the ball. They do not bring in anybody to to try to create a credible run game to take some of the pressure off of Allen and give them a little bit more balance. He's seeing all of these problems and they're not doing anything to address them. So I believe that he might be comfortable to start the next season in Buffalo. But if Buffalo starts and they do not show improvement, and let's say Miami keeps improving, you would think that New England will hopefully be better than they showed this season. And maybe the Jets don't fall apart down the stretch like they did this year. Where, what happens to Buffalo? Buffalo can easily drop from first to third in their own division. And if that is happening, I can see that this might want out. So this this is a situation to monitor for me. Yeah, I mean, I still can't get So I just need to add this here again. I feel like, Ken, sorry, because I, I feel like this this game might be a bit of a longer discussion. So Because I do have a couple follow-up questions for y'all um, before we get into the other overreaction. But it's just, like, looking at this, right? Looking at the stats of this game, you, you know how Devin Singletary had six carries. James Cook had five. Bro, yeah. Samaje P. Ryan, the backup in Cincinnati, had more t- had more carries than, than, than both. Obviously not together, but he, he had seven. But still, the backup, Joe Mixon carried the ball 20 times. So, so it's not even an excuse about that they couldn't run the ball because of the weather. Because... Well, hell, Joe Mixon did it and still catch some too. <laughs> anyhow, anyhow, um, dude, that being said, though, it kind of leads me to my, it kind of leads me to my next question. I just wanted to ask this real quick. Um, well, there are two. First of all, now, you know what? I'll end with this one. Let me ask the other one first, and then we could end with that. Um, do you, what do you guys think the injury of Vaughn Miller did to that team? Like, is was that a huge blow coming? Like, like, do you think he would have had any different type of influence on the way this game went, uh, on the way the rest of the season went? Um, how big was losing Vaughn Miller, or was it a non-factor? Um, who wants to go first? Up for grabs. Yeah, sorry, I just threw that one in there. I know I just threw it. Just non-factor. Why would it be a non-factor? I just asked the question. I just asked it's the question. Von Miller, brother. It's Von Miller. You know, I you know what's Von... the thing? What is that? So last season, and I, I admit, I, I kind of got this wrong at the point in time too, right? Last season, I said that I didn't know how effective Von Miller was going to be at the Rams because of his injuries. He proved me wrong then by having an incredible run and helping the Rams win the Super Bowl. And then this, this season decided to go back to what I expected to happen. Injury. And out for a, a long enough period. But sorry, go ahead, Long. Logs. So, so Vaughn was, was the equivalent of Vaughn on like a basketball squad. He's like, I wouldn't say LeBron, but he's like a, he's a, he's a, he's, he's a veteran figurehead. A, a defensive anchor, as you say, he's one of the best line, linebackers that we've seen, you know, in our era, right? I find, to me at least, I loved it when he played for us. But anyway, um, but yeah, so if you take a guy like him out of your lineup, you'll be like, damn, we are in a hole. 
what are we going to do to fill this big gap that we have now in our uh, linebacker? We don't have any linebackers like Vaughn, right? So what are we going to do now to think, and not just mentally, it gets the team down so you don't even realize it. They, they may think, all right, we still got this. We got Josh. We got an offense. So, you know, they'll help us, you know, when we're down. But at the same time, they might not have, have that chemistry. I mean, he just got there, true. But it's a big morality boost when you get a guy like Vaughn on your team and you'll be like, all right, listen, we could do this. You play here. I'm I'm a, I'm a shift into what I know. I could play left instead of right. I could play center. You play left. So I, I, I could have a little bit more. Um, maneuverability in the area of linebacker, but then you take Vaughn out, Vaughn out of the question, and it's just like total catastrophe. You don't know what to do. The defense doesn't doesn't go as as fluid as it should. Um, you can't read plays like you should be reading plays. It's a whole, it's a total breakdown on just the defensive side, and that causes the rest of the problems because it puts more pressure on the offense now because they have to produce more because you're not getting any stops on defense so that's what i think at least so it was so it was a, a factor well said logos ken yeah i think that it was a, it was a big factor <clears throat> one of the things that i mean let's be let's be real here for a second for all of the good things that they do in buffalo drafting mm-hmm. and drafting decisions are not things that they seem to do as effectively as everything else. And even one of the things that we can look at and we can point to for an example of this is that they traded they traded a pick to Minnesota to get Stefan Diggs, which is the pick that Minnesota used to draft to Justin JJ. Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> when they could have drafted Justin Jefferson themselves. So yeah. that's that's just an example. We see the running backs that they pick up. But I make that point to talk about the players that they have drafted on the defensive line. Over the last three to four seasons, Buffalo has spent either a first or a second round pick on a defensive lineman. And that defensive line with all of the picks that they have put on them, which you can compare it to the line in Washington, still does not perform up to the level of the picks that they have made because they mm. had to bring in Avon Miller to give them the pass rush presence that they were lacking. And as soon as Miller went down, their pass rush went down as well. And I bring up the, the line in Washington for a reason because they had four number ones across their line. It was um, Montez Sweat, um, and in fact, let me not try to name all these guys off the top of my head because they'll just embarrass myself. <laughs> but they have four. They have four number ones across the front, and those four number ones perform like four number ones. You do not get that in Buffalo. And for the minute that Von Miller went boop, out of the lineup, their pass rush evaporated as well. Right. So I I just agree with both of y'all. I, I I actually don't feel differently. So I just wanted to make sure. The last thing I wanted to ask quickly. I, don't know if you you don't have to get into a deep discussion, but does did that game say more about Buffalo or more about Cincinnati? For me, it said more about Cincinnati. 
He said more about Cincinnati because mm-hmm. Buffalo, depending on who they go up against, you are going to get this kind of performance. We mm-hmm. see, we've seen them, you know, wet the bed against other teams during the regular season. The the lost close games, yes, but they let themselves down. Then you go into a game like this where they don't have an overwhelming advantage, which they would not have had against the Kansas City Chiefs, and they lost. They, their fragilities showed up in a massive, massive way in this game. But when they look out, Cincinnati know Cincinnati came into this game with a chip on their shoulder because the NFL was already selling tickets to the neutral zone, neutral site, potential game <laughs> against um, the bill with the Bills against the Chiefs. So they were like, "Now nah, go get your money back. You know, go get those refunds." They they came into oh, this. That's game. what that means. I didn't even know that. Yes, because I, yes. I saw that. I didn't. I didn't know that. That's what that meant. Okay. Fifty thousand <laughs> tickets were sold for a potential Damn. neutral zone game between the Bills and the Chiefs. Correct. In Atlanta. So the man was like, "Nah, go get your money back. We not we oh, not just turn it up to infraction. get Exactly. So, <laughs> so 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 when you look at what Cincinnati were able to do in this game. I I put it more to them, like they they showed us once and for all that there's no taking this team for granted. Cincinnati is here to stay. So okay, so I think I I think it's a little bit of both. So it it showed us what um the bills who the bills are, uh, which we discussed earlier, and also shows that we almost forget who Cincinnati is because where were they last year they were this close away mm-hmm. from winning the chip right this close the legit was this close away so and plus the added fact like what ken said they had a chip on the show you're gonna sell tickets hold on the game ain't even started yet <laughs> you're gonna do what and i think that was a little bit of extra motivation that's you know if players need anything and they get that little extra motivation i, I think and that will just do it because they already have the talent to do it and they already had a chip on their shoulder from last year, from being right there, right? So you can say, like, all right, listen, we got this. We had it in the bag last year. Let's just do it again this year. And then, oh, wait, hold on. We're not playing the game yet, but they're selling tickets for a neutral side. They're saying that the Bills are going to win? Uh-uh. Let's go. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I mean, I'm in agreement because any team that could have Eli Apple and his mama talking so much smack on the internet. Uh, clearly, clearly there's something going right there. Because, I mean, we all know, I mean, you all know how I feel about Eli Apple already. Crisscross applesauce. Anyhow. I'm a, so, before uh, we, we, no, you mentioned Eli Apple. Before we get off of this game, I know we've been here for, mm-hmm. the, for, for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. But there was an article that was written by Ryan Miller of the Rochester mm-hmm. Democrat and Chronicle, which was very critical of Eli Apple. The title was mm. Eli Apple makes fun of Stefan Diggs and Bills on Twitter appears yeah. to mock Damar Hamlin. He goes on to say Apple, a Bengals cornerback who relishes the villain role, derided Bills wide receiver Stefan Diggs in a tweet on Monday evening. It may have included a veiled shot at Damar Hamlin. Diggs, mm. who hadn't publicly spoken since the Bills were bounced in the playoffs, 
fired off three tweets in a two-minute span. Want me to be okay with losing? Nah. Want me to be okay with our level of play when it's not up to standard? Nah. It's easy to criticize my reaction more than the result. Today's episode's title, Cancun on 3, came directly from Eli Apple's tweet. Apple quote tweeted, Cancun on 3, along with an emoji making her hands, which has been DeMar Hamlin's signature salute as the football world has rallied around him. Hamlin wears number three and play for three, emerged as the Bills' motto, but the Cancun saying has been a popular sports insult. Now, I can understand if DeMar Hamlin was the one that came up with this heart symbol and he was the only one that was ever using it and then Eli Apple using it in this case could be considered as a sarcastic dig at the Bills but using it in history. But that's definitely not the case. I have the Maria. Argentine soccer player has been using that as his goal celebration forever. But apparently, Apple made this about Damar. Then there's the actual tweet, Cancun on three. In this same article, Miller explains the source of the statement, Cancun on three. But it's still about Eli. There are so many people who, no disrespect to them, don't think for themselves and also don't read. And when they do, they don't understand what they read. So when they see a headline like Eli Apple appears to mock the Mara Hamlin, they will take that and run with it, especially after everyone was so supportive of Hamlin after his medical emergency. This was no accident. And I'm not here to defend Eli Applesauce in the slightest, but you have yeah. to be able to call out irresponsible journalism and that was for sure what happened in this incident as there was no way that that was an accident being a journalist yeah I, I um again i agree with that because i think you're trying to make a, a, a story out of absolutely nothing here like you said like this cancun on three phrase this moniker this has been around for years and if i'm not mistaken then this originated from an nba player Yes. Yeah, Cancun on three, one, two, three. Who, who was it? That it was it was Van Exel. Who was it? Yes, it was Nick Van Exel. Nick Van Exel. Van Exel. <laughs> and it's in, in that same article, like down mm. to the bottom, you know, because I read yeah. everywhere. Down to the bottom, yeah. he says that Van Exel, where he was a Lakers player, is, instead of saying, you know, like or Lakers on three, one, two, three, Lakers. He said yeah, Cancun right. on three, one, two, three, Cancun, Cancun. And then the Lakers got swept. So I don't know I don't know what he's trying to do at the beginning of this article and then coming Make something out of nothing. Completely like different you said, at the end. Like you said, it, it, it is really irresponsible journalism, lazy journalism at that, like trying trying to, to basically obtain um, likes and clicks. It's, it's clickbait, basically. Yeah. Um, here to see those kind of things because again, I really don't think that Eli, like Eli Apple, is well within his right, and right now he's in his element, so he's within his right to throw a little shade at Stefan Diggs. It is what it is a, just a part of the game, the, the the back and forth between receivers and 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 um, defensive backs. Like we we love to see it, right? Yeah, we love to see it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's any issue there. As we said, the phrase has been around for eons. He didn't just make this up. It just so happens that that Demar Hamlin's number is number three. That's that's a unlucky coincidence. Uh, in in addition, him using the symbol, I even even if 
even if he used it to mock, to mock, I think it was more so to mock the entire Bills organization. It wasn't about DeMar Hamlin specifically. I mean, I might trash Eli Apple as a player, but I really don't think that Eli Apple is that bad of an individual that that he would like deliberately take a shot and and to even suggest that without having any concrete proof is that's like some people just need Poor. to not be writing you know. yeah it is despicable disgusting anyway Lord, did you want to add anything on top of that i think y'all said everything that y'all need to say and anything more i have to say on it is just be repeating what both of y'all just said <laughs> so this is this is what i'm, I'm actually here going through like the bill's social media yeah, and you, like the Bills tend to use a lot of emojis, and and especially yes. since his injury, they've been using that heart emoji as well. Uh, uh, so I, I'm I'm pretty sure that was targeted more at the Bills and not at, at the Bills. Hamlin. Yeah, yeah, like that's that's so disgusting. Anyhow, you not give these people too much airtime. So, ooh, yeah, we got off on a tangent there. Let's let, let me hone back in here because I need to talk about my hometown, my current hometown. And America's America's team, America's team. Let's do it. No, no, no. let's do it, Lars. We need to do it. We need to do it. So yeah, by now we all know what happened. Um, my whole team got beaten by Logs team, and I am in no way, shape, or form a supporter of my whole team. But yeah, so <laughs> in the last game, the last game of the weekend, the Cowboys were um, humbled and sent back to their ranches. Um, by one score. It was 19 to 12, the final score. It was not a good showing for certain players on that team. One in particular, Mr. Number Four. Um, so after the game, being the leader, being the, the gracious leader that he is, Dak said that it is 100% on him, that the loss is 100% on him. He accepts full responsibility. So are Dax words an overreaction? Or is he just saying what he has to say? Um, now, I want Ken to go first here because, Logs, I want to give you first crack at the next one, the final topic. So, Ken, is this an overreaction? Is, is, it, is it an overreaction to say that Dak is fully responsible for that loss? God bless his heart and soul that he is willing <laughs> to take all of the heat and fire for the ineptitude that this showed in Santa Clara. But this is an overreaction. To say that Dax picks are the sole reason that the Cowboys lost is unfair. The Cowboys could not run the ball all game. And Kellen Moore abandoned the run even though he never really had to. 22 carries for 76 yards is not going to cut it. And you have to tell your big money running back, one Ezekiel Elliott, to step up when it's all on him to make things happen when the more explosive runner probably the better running back at this point tony pollard goes out with the high ankle sprain this doesn't say however that that didn't need to play better as 206 yards and two picks will definitely not do but this is just a personal aside we need to have a public holiday we need to have a holiday every time the Cowboys get eliminated because like the TV stores in Dallas, we all need to feel the love they experience whenever the Cowboys get knocked out and TVs get knocked off or thrown around. <laughs> you know, I, I, I hear struggling. Well, the, the TV now get mashed up. 
and I just had to watch Cowboys fans <laughs> deliberately. No, I, I didn't destroy mine because we actually had an unfortunate okay. incident with the, the gentleman who came to Mount Ours, and our TV is no longer useful. Oh, that's very that's unfortunate. But it is, it is. It's very disappointing. And on the flip side, we have to turn and see people punching TVs and driving over TVs and all sorts of things because they really thought that the Cowboys were going to, to, to do something. Anyhow. Before the last go, what you need to do next year is that you just need to put like an ad out there so that you can say any Cowboys fans, if <laughs> when your team loses, I'm willing to take your TV. You don't have to destroy. And I'm right here in Dallas. I am right here in Dallas, so anyhow, I even go travel for a loss. Yeah, sorry. So I, I did um <laughs> I did miss word the question the first time. It did the, the the question should be, are Dax picks fully responsible for that loss? Because he accepted responsibility. And most like, I mean, he didn't have a very good day, but obviously the main talking point were his picks. So were those picks the reason why the Cowboys lost that year? Or is that an overreaction? So the, the, the picks, the picks were not the, it's an overreaction. The picks weren't the reason why they lost because late in the game, like he had chances. They still had. They were still in the game. Like we weren't doing. And I say we. Most people, you know, forty ers We weren't doing anything really offensively. Like Purdy really had no game. Our running game initially was off to a slow start, right? But initially, those two picks meant nothing really because it was a low scoring game. I, what, how much? How much did it finish? Like what, nineteen to twelve. What's the final score again? 19 to 12. So you see, it's a low-scoring game. It was right. It was right there. So, but even coming to the end, like he had chances to win the game. The our defense was tired. He had chances, and he just didn't do anything with it. And he ended up with what 23 or 37 passing for 206 yards. Like that's not the DAC, you know. And his passer rating was 63.6. I think that's like lowest statistically. I think that's his lowest ever in all his playoff starts. So it was just a terrible game for Dak. So if he if he even had like a subpar game where he gave you like three three hundred yards, maybe two touchdowns, the two and the two picks, just a touchdown alone would have won them the game. And that came down basically to me at least came down to the fourth quarter when our defense was tired because we were playing hard all game. And he just didn't make the right plays that he needed to in the end. And that was just the decided factor. You know something, right? I'm tired of the Cowboys. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, nah, I'm, I'm actually really tired of the Cowboys. So, okay. So I mentioned prior to all of the, First of all, let me say, I think it... I won't say that his picks are fully responsible for this loss but i'll be damned if i don't put 99.9 percent .9 of this on that i don't i really don't care and it kind of okay. goes back to what yeah. i was saying it kind of goes back to what i was saying before at, at at a point when you get to a particular point in time in the season it comes down to personnel right and you have the specific personnel specific especially a quarterback especially if this is a quarterback that is being paid as a top tier and that day it's not like that turned down money and say well now nah, this is too much for me i'm not there nah he accepted it he accepted it so in return you're supposed to provide a certain level right 
Now we could talk about now. Can you mention the running game and all that? But Tony and Tony Pollard going down was a huge deal. You, I, I, it, it is fair to say we could ask Zeke to step up, but the reality is, would Zeke actually have been physically able to step up? He has not been able no. to do it all season. Zeke is now a, a backup running back. Zeke is a backup now at best. Third and, and he's not, not, and it, uh, okay, okay, well, even there, there you go. Either way, <laughs> I, I don't think he had the, the physical capabilities to be able to step up and, and do what he needed to do in this game, which is why the running game suffered after Tony Pollard went down. Tony Pollard is by far the better running back right now, more explosive, everything, right? The fact of the matter is, it, it, it's not just the picks. That's why I said I don't think the picks alone are responsible. But Dak had a really bad game, and this is not a time to be having a bad game. Like, it's easy to look good against the Bucs. The Bucs are trash. They have been trash all season. To hop back on the discussion that Ken and I have been having for over a week now. The Bucs are a trash team. This is the time. That, so it, it's easy to look good and throw, throw like four or five touchdowns against the Bucs because they have no idea what they were doing. This is the game. And you see, the thing is, Logs, as you said, like your, your offense has stalled for a little bit at a particular point. And, and to give credit where it's due, that is because the Cowboys offense was doing their job. The defensive, the Cowboys the defense. defense. Sorry. The defense, yeah. yeah. Their defensive players were doing their job. Like, I'm pretty sure there was a point in time, I can't remember at what point in the game, but they were showing Michael Parsons, who was actually having a really solid game in terms of, like, getting pressure on um, Brock Purdy and all that, and, and like, his his, his um, solo and assisted tackles and all. I can't remember. I, I wish I had that in my head. Anyhow, fact of the matter is, you need your quarterback at some times to be that X factor. Because wide receivers can't do it alone. If you, if you don't have a running game to lean on, then you need your quarterback to be that X factor. That wasn't it. And it's not just the two picks. It's the fact that he made some errant throws. He was making bad decisions all day. And he just looked inept, offensively inept. Just did not know what to do when the time came. And I, I, it was a one-score game at the end. And again, the picks aren't solely responsible, but they did contribute to it. Because while... There were no touchdowns scored off of those picks. The the Niners did take six points, two field goals each. Because the defense, the Cowboys defense put up a good stand both times to stop them from getting into the end zone. So, you know, they, they settled for the three points. Listen, that needs to be better. Like three years ago. I, I'm this is the same thing I kind of said about Aaron Rodgers last year. Ken, if you remember when the Niners um knocked them off. And, and, and the score was like 14-10, right? And I think the only the only touchdown that was scored in that game was was a rushing touchdown from either Jones or Dylan, one of the two of them. You know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, yeah, he said. Right. right. It was it was it was a rushing touchdown. Either way, our Aaron Rodgers did not throw a single touchdown in an elimination game. That's not good enough from from the man who's supposed to be their X factor to determine games like that of that magnitude, close games, one score games when the other side of the ball is doing its job. This is the same way I feel about Dak this year. You can't be playing that terribly in an elimination game when your defense is doing their job. We watched the 49ers put up their highest offensive point total last week. Now the defense basically calls them to, 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 to 19 points again with some good goal line stands that, that, that negated two of Dak's picks. And he still couldn't get the offense going. Come on, man. I, I'm trying to hear excuses about. I mean, there are other factors, and you know how like can none of us here rate Mike McCarthy. So I, there is always that to lean on. 
you could talk about the fact that they got rid of Amari Cooper. But the reality is, this is this is the the basically this is my this is my last point on this. This is the reality of the situation. If Dak was, as Log said, if Dak was even fairly decent on the day, half decent, the Cowboys would have been in a better position to win. It starts with the quarterback. In in this case, it starts with the quarterback, and he just what he just couldn't do it. Yeah, we got a, a comment here from Dale. He said, this is a wild thought for me. Was that under extra pressure because his kicker was struggling? Was that haunting him? And I, I did have that thought as well because, let's be real, there's no way that Brad Maher should have been able to kick in this division game because he should have been cut after the, um, after the World Cup run. Because yeah. you, 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 don't miss, you can't come missing four extra points in your role. And still yeah. keep your job, and then you you kick one. The first kick in this game is blocked, and it was missing anyway. Even it was so bad. The commentators were saying that you're watching. I think it was Jeff Feely that said it. That you're mm. watching a kicker have the yips live in front of you, <laughs> live on television. Yeah. 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 So there was some pressure there, but. I don't think that the additional pressure because you have a kicker that you can't trust is enough to suggest that Dak, or that we can say that that would have given that cause to be as bad as he was. As the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, you have to understand that the game is going to come down on your arm, on your shoulder. Regardless of who else is doing what, you have to put the ball where it needs to go. He didn't do that on the day, so yeah, I give him, I give him a lot of blame, but I don't believe that the interceptions alone is the problem. There are institutional no, I, problems that exist in Dallas. I do, I do agree with that. I don't think it was, it was the picks alone, but I, outside of that, his play was not good. Like it wasn't like he was having a great game and then threw two errant picks. Like he was having a almost, almost, almost three, almost three. Should have yeah, been three, three in it. Should have been three. Should have been three. Yeah. Anyhow. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's enough for that. I'm tired of the Cowboys, but sticking with this game, I, this is a topic that I saw Ken bring up, and I was like, ah, this is perfect to end off on here. Uh, so, play. yeah, <laughs> so I like we're in a situation where I feel like we've seen this happen before, but let's let's talk about it. So, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, he has been on an absolute tear since taking over this this job in san francisco and i already know ken's perspective on this but logs i'm gonna let you start here before ken gets into it so do you think that at this point regardless of whether or not you all win the super bowl like just at this point what we've seen up to now, has brock purdy um locked in that qb1 spot for san francisco going forward or is that an overreaction? this is a tough one because i think Trey was doing actually a very good job. And that's just me personally. But if you're going to be honest, ever since Trey went down and Purdy been there, he's been playing exactly how Kyle wants him to play. And then we have we went off defense. We just need a solid QB. And he's just been a solid QB for us that we never really had. I should say solid QB because we had a lot of solid QBs, but consistently he's been doing what he's supposed to be doing. It's not like one game he has 73 yards, two picks, 
and a passer rating of se- of seventy three, Jimmy G. <laughs> um, but you know, but he's been he's been good in what in sticking to the game plan, and for that point, I think that's why we've been winning so much because he's just this is a game plan. This is what we're going to do. He doesn't really go outside of it too much. If you look at it, especially if you look at it in the last game, he didn't do anything significant, right? Because if you think, when you realize he did, it was like 19 for 23, only like 214 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, right? Pass rating was like 80, 88, 87 or something like that. And so it was just like a solid game is what we need. And if you look at it last year in the division chip, when we were supposed to win, if Jimmy G gave us that, we were on. To, we were basically on to the Super Bowl, and it's only a couple months removed from the draft. So I think he's only going to get better. So the touch, the passes are going to get better. He's going to be reading the plays are going to be easier to read next year. So it depends on how healthy Trey is. So I, it's an overreaction just b- based on Trey's health, health. All right, Ken, care to grace us with your knowledge right now? Because I know I, I saw where you were going, but I know you said you wanted to get into it on this platform. So have at it, my brother. So I could just Ken be really waiting. quick. I could just be real quick <laughs> on this one, right? Mm-hmm. If you are brought pretty and you are not the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers next season, you should be demanding a trade. Brock Purdy absolutely has locked down this starting spot because what he has shown us so far in the games that he has played has been better than every other quarterback that has worn that jersey since Jimmy Garoppolo was installed as a starter. There is no... No way that you can look at what Brock Purdy has done and tell him that he should have to take his seat behind anybody that is currently in that building. That is interesting. Um, but don't forget, don't forget, we didn't see Trey work with our new running back as yet. So that's kind of what I was just about to get into. I. I'm going to take a couple bits from what you both said. I do think it's a slight overreaction and not because Ken, to your point, he is very much earned because you're absolutely correct. Like we haven't seen this level of consistency from a, a nine quarterback since, since they took porn star Jimmy, uh, from, from the past <laughs> and installed him as QB one. Right. <laughs> you know, it had to come out at some point. It had to come out at some point. Yeah. Um, I really hate Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so we haven't seen this level of consistency, whether it's like only when he played with six, seven games or 18 to 20. Fact is, he has been, he's been, and then to lot to what you said, he's been doing what Kyle wants and and at a consistent level, right? He doesn't, he's not careless with the ball, that kind of thing. Every now and then, he shows glimpses of being a rookie, but at the same time, like, he has a demeanor of almost a seasoned quarterback, right? By his play, he has earned it. But I think there's more to it, and I think Law's already mentioned this. So I'll just go into it a bit more. I think it is down to 
And can you know it too? It, like, it's politics. Like, based on his play, he has definitely earned it. And to your point, maybe he should seek seek asylum somewhere else if these men come back next year and tell him, well, look, I'm sorry, you can't start. Because he probably has proven now that he deserves to be, like, a chance to start somewhere, right? But I, I feel like we've seen this before. And politics will dictate that I think Trey Lance will be given a chance. The fact that the 49ers moved up in a draft to get this man, like they, I don't think they give up on him as yet. I remember I was saying the same thing about Mac Jones when it came to um, like him being benched for, for Bailey Zappi and stuff. Yeah, I, 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 I really believe that when these teams make this kind of investment to draft a quarterback in the first round, especially in San Francisco's case where they moved up to get this guy, I don't think that they give up on him that easily. I mean, look at Nick Foles. No, enough said. Enough said. It still went with Carson Wentz. I mean, they both turned out to be bums, basically. But they did really bench Nick Foles after winning the Super Bowl for Carson Wentz. Thanks. So, I mean, I again, I agree with your point, Ken, that based on his play alone, he has earned it. But I still think that the front office politics is going to come into play. And I think it's Trey's team until such point as he really proves that he can't do it or he's like way too injury pro like if trey was to get injured next season again like a big injury or like just look horribly look horrible in sorry. the first in the first two or three games i think yeah, then, 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 then then correct then i think brock will stand another chance but as as the 2023 season will begin i i, I still believe it's trey's team okay no problem. So, you know, this actually sets me up real nice now for oh Ken's reckless speculation. <laughs> so, bear with me a, a second, fellas. I, I, I already know where Logs is going to go on this question, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. So, follow, follow my logic. So, the 49ers, they gave up the firm as well as the city to move up to get Trey Lance. We know that that was the intention to make Trey Lance the starter going forward. However, as you've just mentioned, Trey Lance has had now two major injuries in two seasons. He was supposed to be the starter this season, and now he's also out. Now, Brock Purdy has come in, Mr. Relevant, the 255th pick in the last draft, and he has played very well. If I am the 49ers, do I consider trading Trey Lance who is definitely on much more money than Brock Purdy inserting Brock Purdy as my starting quarterback and bringing back Jimmy as his backup so that if the unfortunate happens at least you still have a quarterback who has had success in your system but in keeping Purdy who is in his first year, Lance is in his second year. You have him under contract on small money for three years. And then you can always extend him if you so desire. Because he's giving you exactly what you want. Do you, as the 49ers GM, if you're in John Lynch's chair sitting down, Logs, I, like I said, I already know how you feel about this one. <laughs> but do you keep... Purdy as your number one, Jimmy as your number two, and get back some of that draft capital that you spent to get Trey Lance out of your building. 
all it all depends. What am I getting for Trey? If I'm getting a respectable wide receiver and picks, maybe, maybe, just maybe. But then you have to go back to the, what you, you and AJ were talking about with um, personnel and system, because system also plays a major factor in a lot of players that most people don't realize. Like one player could be extremely great on a team, but they don't realize it's because the system he's in makes him great. So is it so is it because that Purdy is in a great system that helps him to excel per se? Well not excel as yet, but you know he's in the system and it just need a you just need a consistent, safe quarterback in that system until he's ready to become a better QB. You know, it's a nice little learning curve for him. You know, you could just insert him here. He does what he does what I tell him. Stick to the game plan. But if at any point we could just go out of it a lot because he's not a great athlete. He's not he's mature. He's like a a little mature for his his age per se as a as a rookie quarterback, if you look at him. But he he's not gonna be a running type or anything. He's gonna stay in the pocket or try to stay in the pocket. Um and his arm is not the greatest arm. It's a fair arm. So it's similar to Jimmy. Right? So it could be more of a system. If I am Kyle and I want a system guy, I'll have to discuss him with him first. But you know, I would I, I want Lance. So I'm gonna trade Birdie. <laughs> oh you want you want to you want Trey. <laughs> yeah, I want Trey. I like Trey. I like from the flashes that I've seen from Trey are better, not discounting the wins. The flashes that I've seen from Trey are better than anything that I've seen from Purdy. In the limited amount of time since he got injured. But the only thing that would help beside is the those two injuries. Those two injuries are a major factor. And because Purdy has been so good for us in the last couple of games, and he's just he's still a rookie, I would final decision trade trade trade. So, so you go to trade trade. <laughs> final decision. Final decision. But that's 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 granted if um what we get for him though. Like if we only okay. get some picks, like because we we're in a position to win now basically. We can't wait for three, four years to rebuild again. Right? We're basically in a position to win now. So it's either this year, next year, and maybe, maybe one uh, uh, the year after. Maybe. But it's it's now. So we need to get we need to get it going. Trey Trey. <laughs> All right. Um, wait, uh, was that just system. for long? Or am I, or am I no, going as well? System. Okay. Um, system. <laughs> I do not yeah, you know what? And I said this recently enough. Uh, Kyle Shanahan has the most quarterback-friendly system in the NFL. That offense, so it, it is easy to slot anyone in because I mean, it made Jimmy G look really good, and we know what Jimmy G is and what he is not. Um, <laughs> Ken, what you suggested, you know what? It might be reckless, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. If I was John Lynch, if, if I was in John, I'd, you know what? Maybe this, that's why I'm not an exact. Hey, that's the only reason why I'm not an exact. You know, not, nothing else. Just, not just the money, that. right? But not, not just that. But 
what I would do is, I guess, what other teams do. I, I would like quietly feel some some offers, listen to some offers, and then if anything leaks, then say that that's absolutely not true, and that is our guy. You know, you know how they do it. You know, but you know behind closed doors, <laughs> behind closed doors, they listen. Yeah, yeah, no, but I would, I would entertain it oh. so to to see what we can get back for him, indeed, because this is a young quarterback who was who was highly touted enough coming out of college to the point where they moved up over who, who did they move over to get him it was i can't even remember who but they moved up to number three y'all moved up to number three to get him i can't remember who y'all took over but obviously he was on someone else's radar the fact of the matter is he was being looked at even though he you know had taken some time in college so he didn't play like that final year or whatnot still still had a high ceiling was supposed to be like a is is draft um report combine report and all that was supposed to be real good coming out of college so there still might be that demand for him especially with other teams needing a quarterback even if it is not like at the moment as an immediate replacement they will need one like for the future going forward the vikings are one example you know so Mm. yeah hell yeah i would i would try to feel some to to listen to some offers see if i could get me because you would you will get more for that first round pick tree than you will for Brock Purdy at this point, regardless of how good or bad Brock has been. And you know what Brock offers to your system. And then bringing Jimmy back would make more sense than having both Brock and Trey Lance in the team. In the team, yeah. Yeah. Well, somebody has to, somebody will have to go. Yeah. I mean, you can't keep bringing them two youngsters around because then you, you know, got balance out and bringing in somebody real old, like, like, uh, like bringing Joe Flacco or something you know, to, to be a, or AJ McCarron, you know, one of them old boys who've been around for a while who just refuses to to leave the league. <laughs> ben Gabbard might be free, um, wow. but yeah, I, I I actually like the idea of it. Um, Ken, it's a long point to you. You know, see what you can get. I feel like you guys will need another receiver because I I don't know if That's I see Debo sticking around after this contract is up. Just just the way everything went down with that. Brandon Ayuk is really good. Like I'm a fan of Ayuk. Um, Jawan Jennings, I think, is a decent, maybe three, but I think he could get somebody else. And so yeah, I would. I agree with Logs in that sense. I would trade trade. Yes, and or at least well, at, at least yeah, I'd try to get something back. You know, what? don't trade him for peanuts, but listen to them offers and see what you could yeah, possibly we, get. In we really need a, a next wide receiver, to be honest. Yeah. So. When I thought about this, I mean, it should not surprise. It will not surprise anybody who's been watching or listening where I'd go. I definitely trade Trey. Trey Lance so far in his career has 102 passes. He's thrown 102 passes in his entire NFL career. Yes, he does have the injury concern, but the fact still remains that he threw 102 passes, which means nobody's really seen anything from him. And I'm trying to remember the quarterback, but it was a quarterback recently whose trade value went up and up and up by not playing. And I can't remember who it was, but they just didn't, they hardly played. And then all of a sudden you were hearing that he was going to be traded for a lot more than he would have if he was playing. So there's still the unknown with Trey Lance. And like I said, you're looking at the championship window and the amount of money because it is a salary cap league. What Brock Purdy is making right now compared to what Trey Lance is making as the first pick of their first pick turned up overall versus the last pick in the draft. 
just know they're gonna have to pay Nick Bosa. They're gonna have mm, to. Yes. They have to pay a lot of people to keep this team together to continue with this championship push. The best thing that you can do for any championship push is to not have to pay your quarterback a lot of money. So from that perspective, Trey wins. Sorry, Purdy wins, and Trey will be finding himself somewhere else. And and let me add on one thing to that as well. Um, I don't think you'll get the same sort of capital back, but the fact that they just give up like a lot of future picks to get run CMC, <clears throat> it could be good to recoup at, at least a little something to have to just just to have a little nest egg, just to have something in the bank because of what you just gave up to, to get CMC. Oh, so Trey could be deemed surplus and you know try try to see what you could get, see what you can get. Because like you said, we, Ken, we had we had mm-hmm. we, we we accumulated years ago. We accumulated like multiple picks and drafts over the last couple of years. So I don't see yeah. a problem with getting them back in different ways and avenues. So if Trey is probably one of them or if getting rid of somebody else is a way to get back some picks just to flip them over and probably get a receiver, I don't see us have a problem doing that. Yeah, all of that. All right. So, fellas, we've been here for a while. It's an hour and 25 Ooh. minutes on the clock. So Nice. We will, we will have to just make some picks. We, we don't have time to discuss it, unfortunately. But the championship weekend is upon us. We have the conference championship. CBS has the Bengals and the Chiefs. That's the late game. The early game is the 49ers and the Eagles. So, Logs, who are you picking to make it to the big dance? Oh, obviously, you mean for the Chiefs and the Bengals because the 49ers picks, obviously, is 49ers. Um, because um, our boy Mahomes is still going to be a little questionable with that high ankle sprain. Uh, he's probably, from what I saw, they say he's going to be playing, but it's still going to be, that's a high ankle sprain. I, I know you are a professional athlete, but that's still going to hurt like a mofo. Um, and it's going to do, it's going to hinder your performance drastically. If he, if he performs and overcomes everything, kudos to him. I got the Bengals. All right. So long I got Joe, Bengals. big Joe. And the Bengals <laughs> in the Super Bowl. AJ, what about you? Who do you have making it to the Super Bowl? You are muted again, sir. <laughs> Apologies again. Sorry, I thought I unmuted. Um, I'm obviously taking the Niners as well because, yeah, after, again, after that CMC trade, I kind of put them up there as my faves. If the X factor for me, like Logs um, just mentioned, is Mahomes' ankle. If he is well enough to at least be like 70%, I really think that they break the curse this time around and we see a rematch of the Niners and Chiefs. Um, but if he is, if he's hobbling like he was in the second half of that last game, and, and it might even be worse than that because he, I mean, the injury had just happened, you know, he was still, he still had that adrenaline in him. So that ankle hadn't even swollen up as yet. So I know he had to deal with some swelling or will have to during the course of this week. So if, if he is unable to be as mobile, I, I, I really think that the Bengals could pull it through. 
you know what? I, I don't want the Chiefs there anymore. So because I have to make a pick, I'm gonna say the Bengals. Okay. All right. So you two are in agreement. You can't expect me. To, this is not gonna be a clean sweep. So we <laughs> know, we know. I, I, I expect that the Fortnite's are going to be too much for the Eagles to handle. Um, well. The Fortnite's pass rush did have some difficulty with the um, offensive line that the Cowboys put out there this game. I believe that their pass rush is going to be better than the Eagles' um, pass blocking. So I put the Fortnite's in. And I had the Chiefs in there from the very beginning. I. I said that I had the Chiefs getting all the way to the Super Bowl from the beginning of the season. I'm not changing my mind at this point. No, AJ knows that of all the quarterbacks, all the young quarterbacks in the league, my two favorite young quarterbacks are playing in the AFC Championship game. But that said, we still are looking at Travis Kelsey versus Eli Apple. <laughs> so, with that, that is a great spot to land it before you see an hour and a half take away on this clock. So, Logs, thank you very, very much for joining us this week on the Green Bay Podcast. Tell the folks where they bro. can find you. Um, before we go. Find me on IG, uh, Demigod Chronicles, because, you know, I'm a demigod after all. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> all right. So, as always, you know, this is the Green Bridge Podcast. We thank you so much for being with us tonight. We do not take your support for granted. Tell a friend, hit like on this video, share it with someone, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you know whenever we are live. AJ, he is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Bridge. And we will see you guys next time.